WMRA News. I'm Bob Levicky. One of two people convicted of killing a three-year-old girl near Waynesboro will spend the rest of his life in prison. Charlottesville Democrats advance bills that would ban firearms at all Virginia public colleges. And the House and Senate release their proposed budgets. And we explore what happens next. This is the WMRA Daily for Monday, February 19. One of two people convicted of killing a three-year-old girl near Waynesboro was sentenced in Augusta County Circuit Court on Friday afternoon. WMRA's Randy B. Hagee reports. Judge Shannon T. Sherrill sentenced Travis Ryan Brown to life in prison without the possibility of parole for the 2021 killing of Khaleesi Hope Kuthriel, plus an additional 20-year sentence for child abuse. Khaleesi had been living in the home that Brown shared with Candy Joe Royer. Brown was convicted of aggravated murder last August. Aggravated murder has carried a mandatory life sentence in Virginia since the death penalty was abolished in 2021. Khaleesi's mother, Amanda Mullen, fought through tears to deliver an impact statement about losing her daughter. She talked about trusting Royer and Brown to care for Khaleesi while she served a jail sentence. They lied to me and they destroyed her, she said. I don't know how anyone could be that heartless or that evil. Brown tried to interject at one point during Mullen's statement and was silenced by the judge. Although he did not take the stand during his trial, he did read his own statement during Friday's hearing. In it, Brown claimed Royer was solely responsible for Khaleesi's death and that he was unaware of the abuse because of his heroin addiction. Brown did admit he lied to law enforcement to interfere with the investigation. His attorney, Dana Cormier, said Brown maintains his innocence and plans to appeal his case. Candy Joe Royer pled guilty to first-degree murder in September. Royer is scheduled to be sentenced on February 22nd. First-degree murder carries a sentence of 20 years to life in prison. For WMRE News, I'm Randy B. Hagee. Two Charlottesville Democrats have advanced bills in the House and Senate that would ban firearms at all Virginia public colleges. The Daily Progress reports that Senator Cree Deeds and Delegate Katrina Carlson say the proposed legislation holds a special significance for them some 15 months after a University of Virginia student was witnessed opening fire in a bus on grounds, killing three and injuring two schoolmates. University police chiefs around the state support the legislation. They say that under existing laws, their hands can be tied when someone brings a gun onto campus, as was the case with accused UVA gunman Christopher Darnell Jones, Jr. Many of Virginia's colleges are among those delaying the deadlines for student financial commitments, After a delay with the federal student aid application, a new application form was unveiled on the Free Application for Federal Student Aids website, it's better known as FAFSA, in December, but it's been filled with glitches and mathematical errors. That has caused many students to not know how much they owe universities. The Richmond Times-Dispatch reports that the University of Virginia and Virginia Tech have moved their deadlines to May 15th. Virginia Commonwealth University says they'll accept deposits after May 1st. The House and Senate released their proposed budgets on Sunday. The Richmond Times-Dispatch reports that, as expected, Governor Glenn Youngkin's tax cuts and sales tax increase did not pass muster, and his proposal to create a state authority to finance a $2 billion professional sports and entertainment district in Alexandria is in the House spending plan, but not the Senate's. Virginia Public Radio's Brad Kuttner has more on what happens next, Much of it behind closed doors. 
I was going to say, we don't negotiate publicly. Um, That's Morgan Hopkins, communications director for House Democrats, responding to questions about the caucus's budget priorities at a recent press conference. She's referring to the process by which Virginia's budget is crafted out of public sight. While the public gets to see debate over traditional legislation in committee hearings, much, if not all, of the final budget is worked through in hallways, stairwells, and cocktail parties. Here's former Republican delegate Greg Habib, who's now the president of Gentry Locks Richmond-based consulting firm. I used to say there are like rooms within rooms within rooms within rooms in the General Assembly, right? So you get elected, you think, oh, I'm in the room. You're in a room. You're not in the room. Habib said the deal makers are mainly those on the powerful House Appropriations and Senate Finance Committees. They work to craft a budget in each chamber and then release their financial plans for the Commonwealth. The two chambers then vote on their budgets, usually with bipartisan support. So is the secrecy good for the Commonwealth? Here's former Virginia Attorney General Jerry Kilgore, the brother of House Republican Terry Kilgore, who now works for the consulting firm Cozen O'Connor in Richmond. I think it's just a way to get the budget process done with without a lot of lobbyists and other people in the room. The two chambers will then appoint conferees to reach a consensus. After it's approved by both House and Senate, the proposal then goes to Governor Glenn Youngkin. From there, the conferee process, in secret, will start all over again until a compromise budget is released, hopefully in time for the July 1 deadline. In Richmond, I'm Brad Kuttner. Members of the General Assembly are considering legislation that would stop school boards from banning books. That's an issue that has roiled Rockingham County this year. Virginia Public Radio's Michael Pope reports. Rebecca Mess is a parent of public school students in Hanover, and she says school boards across Virginia should have the power to remove books from school libraries. She says that's not a book ban because those same books are also available at bookstores and public libraries. Hypersexualized content ought not be pushed on kids in school. And as parents, we have a constitutionally protected right to oversee the care and education of our own children. Senator Schuyler Van Valkenburg is a Democrat from Henrico who says parental rights can cut both ways. He says he doesn't want his parental rights to be eroded either. If what you really want is for a locality to be able to yank books in the middle of the night off a shelf, taking away your rights as a parent to dictate your kid's choices, I want my kid to read Kurt Vonnegut personally, right? Well, then vote against the bill. The House and Senate have both approved similar bills curtailing the ability of school boards to ban books with bipartisan support, which means the legislation is likely to be headed to the governor's desk in the next few weeks. The Family Foundation is urging the governor to veto the bill. Also under consideration, legislation aimed at cracking down on invasive plants. Michael has the details. Anyone who's had to go after English ivy knows how invasive plants can be a mess. That's why environmental groups are supporting a bill that would require signs at garden centers and plant nurseries warning customers about invasive plants. Although the House and the Senate have different ideas about where the signs should be located. Chris Lehan is with the Virginia League of Conservation Voters. Having a sign at the front of the store where you go, hey, I need to be on the lookout for an invasive plant, that's an improvement over where we are today. But what would be a, a better improvement and you know, sort of our preferred approach is being able to walk into that store and go, oh, these are the ones that I have to worry about. 
Brad Copenhaver represents the Virginia Landscape and Nursery Association. With a sign being required in proximity or by each display or by each plant, that could change almost daily, especially in certain seasons at a store. And so to have one sign at every entrance, we think is much more workable for the folks who run these centers. Delegates and senators are likely to work out their differences on where the sign should be located in a secret closed-door conference committee. Reporting from the Capitol in Richmond, I'm Michael Pope. And finally today, hundreds of other bills have been scuttled during the session, including one seeking to establish indoor air quality standards for Virginia's public schools. Megan Pauley with VPM News reports. A lot of our schools are 50 plus years old in a lot of cases. Delegate Destiny Levere Bowling introduced the legislation to improve school air quality. We need to make sure that our kids, our faculty, our personnel, support staff in our schools are breathing good quality air so they're not getting sick. We can limit allergies and other things in the schools. Bowling said along with aging facilities comes aging equipment. Her bill sought to require school districts to follow a maintenance schedule for HVAC system updates and repairs and to require districts to address leaks within 48 hours to prevent mold accumulation. The draft legislation would have also created a complaint process through the Virginia Department of Education for when districts don't follow through on necessary maintenance fixes. It was ultimately met with funding concerns, though Bowling plans to bring the legislation back again next year. Megan Pauley reporting for WMRA News. I'm Bob Levicky. That does it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening, and I do hope you enjoy your Monday.